to um, uh, get you ready for Pastor Ben. He's, he's come from a long ways. Tony's here, obviously. Tony's brother is Pastor Ben, one of Pastor Ben's right-hand men in the Congo, for anybody that didn't know that this morning. And uh, that's another thing that happens with fellowship. You know, he's over here in Richardson, and he's looking, he's looking for God, and he wants to get him, his, life, his family in church and calls his brother all the way in the Congo. And Pastor Ben says to his brother to tell Tony, call Pastor Blake. And that's been, what, like almost two years now? Two years ago, he called me. I remember that phone call. And I said, come on. And he came, and they've been here ever since. And look at the, look at the relationship and the fellowship that can happen. Now he gets to go back, show a picture of his brother in church, and knowing that he's coming to church and involved in church. Isn't it amazing what we can do together that we can't do by ourselves? Pastor Ben is, is honestly, you know, I don't just say things to say them. I have a lot of friends in, in our fellowship. I have a lot of people I admire. But a, a, Pastor Ben is, is just the epitome of discipline. He's the epi- epitome of, of consistency and just doing exactly what's supposed to be done. And he's just, all these years I've known him, he's, he's very quiet if you've ever talked to him, until he gets up on this pulpit, and then he gets ignited, amen? And uh, I know this morning that he has an awesome word from God for us, and uh, I'm so thankful that the Lord opened the door for him to be with us this morning. So let's open our hearts and our minds and our spirits for what the Lord has to say, and let's make Pastor Ben Musa from the Democratic Republic of Congo feel welcome this morning, amen? I bring you greetings from my family and from our churches in Congo. We love you. We pray for you. Amen. I would like to say thank you to God for bringing me here. I've been coming to the U.S. for many years, but this is the first time for me to be here with you. So it is a joy, it is a blessing for me to be with you here. And I would like to say thank you to Pastor Blake and his wife for inviting me here. Amen. Pastor Blake, every time I go back home after the conference, the people are asking me questions about you. I think you should be thinking about going back there. Yeah, I'm telling the truth. People in the church, they, they love Pastor Blake. When he was there, he made an impact upon the church. And every time I go back home, they are asking me questions about him. Yeah. So we'll be praying for that so that God may open the way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. Father, we commit ourselves into your mighty hands. We pray that you may speak to us one more time this morning. We pray that you may touch us, that you may change us, O oh Father, for the glory of your mighty name. Father, let the blood of Jesus Christ was everybody in the name of Jesus Christ. I take authority over all the powers of the enemy. I break them. I destroy the works of Satan in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for the fulfillment of your will for this service. 
In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I have a short message this morning. And I believe it is from God. So let's go to the second book of Corinthians. We shall read chapter 5. From verse 17 to verse 20. The second book of Corinthians. Chapter 5. From verse 17 to verse 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Amen. In verse 20, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul is saying, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So this morning I'm going to talk about reconciliation with God. Now, these words of the Apostle Paul are amazing. He is talking to Christians. He is not talking to people who don't know Jesus. He is talking to people who know Jesus like you and me. But still he's telling them, be reconciled to God. That's amazing. So this shows us that you can be a Christian, but you are not standing right with God. This means that uh, you, can, uh, you can be a Christian, but you don't agree with God. Because when uh, when uh, uh, someone, when two people get reconciled, that means they agree. They were in disagreement, but then they decide to agree. So the Apostle Paul is telling us that we may be Christians, but we don't agree with God. And that's why he's saying, make an agreement with God. It's okay to come to church, it's okay to pray, it's okay to fast. It's okay to serve the Lord. But the question is, are you reconciled to God? Do you agree with God? So this is very important. It's like when we don't agree with God, we are wasting our time. God, uh, what he's looking first is that we may, we may agree with him. How can we say that we are Christians when we don't agree with God? How can we say we are the children of God when we don't agree with God? As the children of God, 
We need to make sure that we are in agreement with God. Because we are not here to do our own will. We are here to do the will of God. And how can you do the will of God when you don't agree with God? Sometimes when we don't agree with God, we can know it. But sometimes we may be in disagreement with God, but we don't know it. A pastor from Mozambique is telling a story. Many years ago, there was a revolution in Mozambique. People were killed. And because of that, uh, people had to flee to other countries. And uh, he, was serving, he was serving as a pastor in a foreign country. And then in the country where he was serving, uh, they set a refugees camp. And so out of compassion, he started to go to those refugees camp to preach the word of God. And so one day, he was in one of those camps and he was, uh, he was uh, inviting people to the meeting in the evening. And then he came and he found a young man. He, uh, he, he gave him the invitation. That young man asked him the question, why do you think that I need to come to your meeting? So he was amazed. Because that, that young man was, was speaking, he was angry. Why do you think I need to come to your meeting? And he said, uh, you need to come because uh, uh, we have good music. Uh, we have fun. And uh, uh, we are talking about the love of God. You are talking about the love of God. Are you joking? My father was killed. By the rebels. My father was killed. Where was God? How can you tell me that God loves me? How can you talk to me about the love of God when my father has been killed? And I am still young. And now I don't know what I'm going to become. I have no more future because my father has been killed. And you are talking to me about the love of God. I don't, I don't like the love of God. Keep your love of God. And he left so that young man was bitter because his father has been killed. There was no way for him to understand that God is a loving God and he has let those people kill his father. He was angry against God. So in a case like that, it is very easy to know that you are angry with God, that you don't agree with God. But most of the time, we may be angry against God and we don't know it. We don't know that we are angry with God, but we still come to church, we still pray, we still fast, and we are serving God. And God will not be happy with us. Because God is looking at the heart. Everything that we are doing, God wants us to do it from our heart. Because we love him. But when we are angry with God, can we say that we love God? No. And there is something that is, uh, uh, that is very important, uh, that is uh, uh, very bad. When we get angry with God, we start going away from God. We start going far from God. Some of the songs that we sang this morning, or about the presence of God. In the presence of God, we have everything. 
But when we are angry, we are going far from the presence of God. And Satan knows that. He knows that as long as we are going to be in the presence of God, he cannot harm us. Because he cannot come, he cannot come uh, close to the presence of God. He needs to be far from the presence of God. And that's why uh, uh, he's going to make you angry. Telling you that God is responsible of the problems that you are going through. So that you may be angry with God and go far from God. And when you, you are now far from God, Satan can, can destroy you. That's why Paul is saying, pay attention. You are Christians. That's very good. But make sure you are living in agreement with God. Because without the agreement with God, you are not in the presence of God. You are far from the presence of God. God is asking a question. He is saying, how can two people walk together if they don't agree? People had to agree before walking together. So now, when you don't agree with God, when you are angry with God, do you think you are walking with God? You are not walking with God. And when you are not walking with God, you are in a very dangerous situation. We need to agree with God. So sometimes, it's not easy to know that we don't agree with God. And that's why sometimes we may wonder, we may say, I don't understand, I am praying, I'm coming to church, I'm serving the Lord, but uh, I'm going from one problem to another problem. The problem may be because you are not living in agreement with God. The book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Let's read from verse 13 to verse 16. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13 to verse 16. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge... Or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evil doers not only prosper. But they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who fear the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him. Of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Amen. There is nothing new in the world. So God is saying here, your words, you people of Israel, your words have been hard against me. You, you, are, you, are, you are speaking against me. Your words have been hard against me. But you say, how have we spoken against you? Notice this, speaking against God. Not speaking for God, speaking against God. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. 
I don't see why I should keep praying. I've been praying and praying and praying. And God is not giving the solution of my problems. I don't see why I should keep praying. I think I need to stop praying. I don't see why I should keep fasting. I've been fasting for years. But my problems are still there. God is not moving. So I, I stop fasting. Why should I keep giving my tithe and my offerings? I've been faithful, giving my tithes, giving my offerings, supporting uh, the ministry. But uh, I'm all the time losing my job. Why should I keep uh, uh, giving? I, I, I stop giving. That's anger. You are angry with God. It is vain to serve God. It is vain to pray. It is vain to fast. It is vain to give to God. I quit. I stop everything. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evil doers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. The people who are living in sin, they are living in deep sin. They are getting blessed. They are getting promoted. And I am faithful. I'm serving God. I am praying. I'm giving my finances to God. But I'm not getting promoted. I'm not getting blessed. In other words, you are saying, God, you are not just. Because I serve you. Because I pray. Because I fast. Because I give. I'm the one who should be blessed. I'm the one who should be promoted. But who are you? To judge God. He knows what he's doing. There is nobody who can, who can correct God. There is nobody who can give advices to God. Nobody. So we need to pay attention. We need to look at our lives. We are praying. We are serving the Lord. We are giving. But how is our heart toward God? Do we have love for God? Are we happy with God? Or are we angry against God? And when you don't pay attention, you think it's okay, and you keep coming to church, and you keep praying, and you keep fasting, but God is looking at your heart first. God doesn't need what you are doing for him. You can quit doing what you are doing. God is going to raise other people and they are going to do what you are doing. God is looking at the heart. God is looking for the people who are doing things out of love. Verse 16. Then those who fear the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And the book of remembrance was written before him of those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. The word of God is saying, there is a book of remembrance. My brother, my sister, this year, I've been a Christian for 30 years. If I am still a Christian, it's because I have seen the faithfulness of God.
I have known many people. I have had many friends. But no one is like my Jesus. I have been disappointed by people. By friends. Betrayed. But Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is faithful. I'm not the kind of people who just believe anything. For me to believe, I need to, to experience. So I, I see the word of God. The word of God gives this promise. I say, okay, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to see if it's going to work. And during these 30 years, I've discovered that every promise that God gives is true. There is nobody who's as faithful as God. Nobody. Everything you are doing for God, it is written in God's time, not in your time. In God's time, you will see the hand of God. We get discouraged because sometimes it is taking too long before we may see the answer from God. But the problem is, I know something about God. When God tells you, in March, I will do this for you. In March, that's going to happen. But most of the time, he gives promises without giving the time. I will do this for you. I'm going to promote to you. I'm going to give you a baby. He doesn't say when. And that's where we have a problem. We start counting days, we start counting weeks, we start counting months. And then we say, I think I didn't hear from God. I think it's my, my own dreams. I think it's my own thoughts. I, I quit praying for that problem. But we need to understand that God is faithful. Everything that he promises, I tell you, he is going to fulfill, but in his time. Don't look at your watch. Look at the watch of God. Don't look at your calendar. Look at the calendar of God. And in God's time, everything that he promises, everything is going to be fulfilled. There is a book of remembrance. If you are going to remain faithful in God's time, you are going to be happy. And you are going to testify. Amen. So that's why uh, Paul is saying, be reconciled to God. It's very important. When you are not reconciled to God, when you are not in agreement with God, it's like you are wasting your time. Amen. Let's go to the book of Psalm. Psalm 139. Let's read verse 13 and verse 14. Psalm 139, verse 13 and verse 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works 
My soul knows it very well. In verse 14, uh, the first part, uh, David is saying, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The word of God doesn't say that David was the most handsome man in Israel. The word of God doesn't say that. But David is saying, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, David is saying, the way you made me God, there is no thing to remove, and there is no thing to add. You made me the way you wanted me to be. And this is a, 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 this is a, a real problem. Many people, even though they are Christians, they are not happy the way they look. So when you are not happy the way you look, that means you don't agree with God. It's very important. That's why Paul is saying, be reconciled to God. You may be living in disagreement with God, but you don't know it. And when you are, you, are, you are living in disagreement with God, how do you want to see the hand of God upon your life? You think you can correct God. And I know sometimes it's because of what people are saying about us. People may be, may be telling you that you have, uh, your, your, your head is too big. People may tell you that your eyes are too big. People may tell you that your ears are too big. People may tell you that you are very short. People may tell you that you are skinny. And because of that, you are unhappy. Every time you are looking yourself in a mirror, you, you, you are unhappy. It's like you are saying, God made a mistake. You are not happy the way you are looking. But David is saying, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What a statement. When he's saying, I, am, I, am, I, I praise you because I am faithfully made. What I see is David saying, when God was making him, God has a vision of him. God has a picture of him. He wanted David to be the way he is. And God didn't want to make a mistake. And that's why when he was making him, it's like he was fearing to make a mistake. That's why David is saying, I, I am fearfully made. So God wanted to make sure that David would look uh, the way uh, God saw him in a vision. So David is saying, there is no mistake. I am what you wanted me to be. That's why I'm praising you. But when you are not happy with you, you don't praise God for that. You don't agree with God. You think God made a mistake. You think, I don't know, uh, you should have, uh, uh, I don't know, blue eyes or something like that. And you are saying, oh, if I could have blue eyes, I would be uh, very happy. But God is saying, David is saying, there is no mistake. You have made me in a very wonderful way. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There, there is no mistake. You did no mistake. 
You made me the way you wanted me to be. So God, I'm praising you. God, I'm happy the way I am. My brother, my sister, we have been called to walk by faith and not by sight. Don't care about what you are seeing in your mirror. Care about what the word of God is saying. And the word of God is saying, you have been made wonderfully and fearfully. There is no mistake. If people are making fun of you, let them make fun of you. They don't know what they are doing. This is very, very important. When I was in high school, I was in a boarding school. And uh, we, have, we had, uh, uh, in my classroom, we had a guy. Uh, he was, uh, he was uh, what the world can call ugly. He didn't have a mirror. The only student who didn't have a mirror, it was him. Because he didn't want to, uh, to see uh, the way he was looking. Because everybody, people would make fun of him. That's terrible. We don't have to, be, to live in shame. We need to be happy. God made no mistake. He knows, he knows why he did it. He made, it, he made us the way we are. We need to praise him for that. That's faith. Amen. Let's go to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 20. Let's read from verse 1 to verse 13. Gospel of John, chapter 20, from verse 1 to verse 13. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we do, we do not know where they have led him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the, womb, the tomb first. And stooping to, the, stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him. And went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there. And the face cloth. Which had been on Jesus head. Not lying with the linen clothes. But folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple. Who had reached the tomb first. Also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture. That he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Amen. 
This story we are interested especially in verse 13. They said to her, the two angels, they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I like these words. My Lord. They don't understand. They don't know that Jesus Christ has already risen. So this lady is looking for the body of Jesus. This lady is looking for the dead Jesus. But what is amazing for me is that she's saying, my Lord. I think we get angry with God because of things we want to get from him, but we don't get them. It's like we come to church, we pray, expecting to receive certain things from God. When we get them, we are very happy. When we get them, we praise him. But when we don't get them, we get discouraged. We get disappointed. And we get angry with God. But this lady, she is looking for Jesus who can do nothing for her because he is dead. She is not looking Jesus to receive a miracle. She is not looking Jesus to get money. She is not looking Jesus to have a baby. He's dead. But for this lady, dead or alive, Jesus is the Lord. I think we are making a mistake if we are looking Jesus only for what we can get for him. Jesus, he is our Lord. He is the king of all the kings. He is the Lord of all the lords. He is the good shepherd. When we are sick, he is God. When we are in good health, he is God. When we have money, he is God. When we don't have money, he is God. I think this is very, very important. We get disappointed. We get in, the, in disagreement with God because uh, most of the time, we are not really interested in God. We don't really love God. But we love what we can get from him. And if that's the kind of attitude that we have, we are going to get disappointed. But if we, true, if we, we love God because he is God. We love God because he is good. We love God because uh, uh, no one is like him. If we just love God, we will not get disappointed. We will not get dis discouraged. And you know what? When you love God in good times, in bad times, God will provide. There is no way, there is no way to be in good relationship with God, to be in agreement with God and see everything going wrong. That's why it's very important to look at our hearts. That's why Paul is saying, be reconciled to God. It's like Paul is saying, the problem that you have is because you are not in agreement with God. What God calls sin, you don't call sin. Agree with God. 
How can you walk with God if you don't agree with him? When you don't when you don't agree with God, you are not walking with God. You are you are you are walking yourself. And that it may be the reason why you are going from one problem to another problem. Because Satan sees that you are alone, you are not uh, uh, you are not experiencing the presence of God, and that's why he is able to come uh, close to you and to do everything he wants to do. That's why he's saying be reconciled to God. And that's why it's, it's very important to be people who study the word. How can you agree with God when you don't know what the word of God is saying? It's when you, are, you have the discipline of studying the word of God, of reading the word of God, that you will know the will of God. And when you know the will of God, you agree. You say, okay, Father, please help me. This is too hard for me, but help me so that I may be able to do what you are saying here. Then you are agreeing with God. And then when you are agreeing with God, you may be in trouble, but you have peace. You may be in trouble, but you have joy because of the presence of God in your life. Can we close our eyes? The Apostle Paul is saying, be reconciled to God. It's a good thing that you are a Christian today. It's a good thing that you are praying. But God is saying, you need to do something else. You need to agree with him. But there is an agreement that we have to do first. That one. Our first agreement is when we realize that we are far from God. We don't know Jesus. We acknowledge that we are sinners. And we want Jesus. Jesus. 